going on, guys? Welcome to Week 15, Episode 13 with Perry Aston and Adam Stark. This is FFB Unwrapped. What's going on, my man? How you doing? Well, I had Amari Cooper and George Kittle on a playoff team, so I think everyone knows how I'm doing. Oh, he's A1, if that's the case. Before we jump into some fantasy football, reminding you about our sponsors, Roto Assurance. 20% off your one-time purchase with promo code UNWRAPPED, as well as, of course, Jersey Express. 10% off with promo Pulse because we are part of the Pulse Podcast Network now. At Jersey Express, they don't have NFL jerseys quite yet, but there are NBA and NCAA jerseys, as well as these player hoodies. They look like kind of a combo of a hockey jersey with a basketball jersey. They've been really popular. The prices are really good on there. So go check out their website, thejerseyexpress.com, T-H-E, jerseyexpress.com, and their Twitter at jerseyexpress underscore. Again, remember to use Pulse for 10% off your purchase. Check out Pulse Podcast Network on Twitter at Pulse Pod Network. Before we jump in, let's remind you guys to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple Podcast app. Let's do it. How you doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Uh, like I said, I got Amari Cooper and George Kittle on a, one of my playoff matchups. It was actually our last guest we had, Brian Gordon, one of my friends. I absolutely annihilated him. I remember so you guys totally were talking awesome. about you had Jameis Winston in that matchup, correct? And yeah, that was he, that he matchup. Paid off. Point two more points than Lamar Jackson. I think that's what it ended up being. It was pretty funny how he just barely, just barely edged out Lamar. That Jackson. didn't make any difference at all in that game. Lamar Jackson's been playing pretty well in regards to fantasy, but if you're looking for the quarterback to build around, I'm going to ask you really quick, is that the guy? Because I know this week they are benching Joe Flacco because he is healthy and they are officially starting Jackson over Joe Flacco. So are you confident that they've found their quarterback for the future or are you still not sold? I think they want to feel confident they found their quarterback for the future. I think the team is trying to give Lamar Jackson some momentum, show him he's the guy, let him have his opportunity, and let Joe Flacco kind of just sit back and watch. But I don't think he'll be able to handle the pressure with everything that's going on, them being on the verge of the playoffs. I just think he still has some problems. And the fourth quarter being clutch, so to speak, just kind of leading a game-winning drive, a game-clinching drive. I really think it's the defense that's just been getting it done each game. And I think no matter what quarterback is really in, it wouldn't really matter make too much of a difference on the outcome just because their defenses looked great so I think Lamar Jackson can be their starter going forth just because they invest the first rounder into him but I could also see Joe Flacco taking over the role in a couple weeks I don't know about that I think if they're gonna make this move that means Flacco's done we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit want to remind you guys to go on our Twitter and retweet our Melvin Gordon signed jersey giveaway tweet you need to be following Adam's page at everyday FFB as well as our page at FFB unwrapped go ahead and give my page a follow too while you're at it at Perry Aston I know Adam included this time if you go and share a picture of a positive review that you left for our podcast on Apple. You are eligible for a few more entries and it's a beautiful baby blue, those powdered, the signed jersey giveaway for Melvin Gordon. Hopefully he plays this week on Thursday. Right now we did get confirmation that Eckler is ruled out, but Melvin Gordon is traveling for the game and is still quote unquote questionable and they'll be kind of checking it out closer towards Thursday possibly game time decision what do you think is going to happen here Adam do you think they're going to go with Melvin Gordon in a very very important game against the Chiefs or are they going to play it on the cautionary side 
and roll with just a Justin Jackson backfield? I really hope it's just Justin Jackson and it's his backfield, but I do feel that Melvin Gordon is going to play just because what he said last week, he kind of hinted at him wanting to play that week, and I think right. the team said, no, 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 this is too early, you saw what happened last time. Next week, we're playing the Chiefs, Thursday night, you're on. I think he's going to come out and play but I don't think he'll be crazy good unless he gets some goal line touches. I think, obviously, he'll be able to pound it in from the five-yard line. But I don't expect him to go out there and tear apart this Kansas City defense like all these other running backs have been doing. I think Justin Jackson might get a couple more carries. But I don't think Justin Jackson is a play if Melvin Gordon is active this week. Hence why we actually left him off our fire waiver wire because of our conversation last week about them being a team that likes to play with one running back primarily. And if you're going to sprinkle in someone else, so be it for game script and kind of to help out with the flow of your team, but not really for fantasy relevance. You're not going to start Austin Eckler or a Justin Jackson if you have Melvin Gordon there in that backfield because you're just hoping that they're, what, going to vulture a touchdown away from Melvin Gordon? If they're going to be playing him, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be playing him at full health. They're not going to rush Melvin Gordon back, which is why I agree with you in your comments that I think he could have came back last week and they looked ahead to a short week on Thursday playing possibly the most important game of their season. They have the opportunity to win this game against the Chiefs if they have Melvin Gordon back there. If they don't, I'm not as confident in this team. Not that they can't get the job done because the Chargers are very underrated. They deserve respect because they're playing very well. They're a 10-win team. But with Melvin Gordon back there, it's a different story. That's what really makes this team top-notch compared to Eckler, Justin Jackson. They're not used to the scat back switching between two different guys. They'd like to roll with one person, and ideally, Melvin Gordon is that person. So I agree with you. I believe he is going to be playing. And of course, again, go on Twitter. Make sure you go and retweet that tweet so that you're eligible for the beautiful powder blue Melvin Gordon signed jersey that Adam's given away here. Let's talk a little bit of news and what happened this last week. Let's talk the Miami Miracle. Dude, what the fuck was that? Are you serious? Did you see that play live or at least see the aftermath? <laughs> that was insane, yeah. I, I just kept seeing my Twitter feed started to blow up of people just going, oh my god, that was insane. I have my notifications on various different reporters and they're all tweeting about it and I hadn't seen the play. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, must be insane. I was just, what could it be? What could it be? And so then I finally saw the highlight of it and I knew Miami was going to score some somehow just because of everyone's reactions and so they threw the pass to Devontae Parker and he pitches it back and then they do like one more pitch to Kanye and Drake and he kind of is in some open space and then sees how he has a little pathway down the right side and if he just hits it hard he could beat out Gronk and everyone else and sure enough he just smoked over to the end zone and made Gronk look stupid and it was great it was hilarious it was it was awesome, especially was, against the Patriots. It was crazy, and I think the actual sequence was passed to Kenny Stills, I believe. Then he tossed it to Devontae Parker, who then tossed it to Kenyon Drake. There was only two total pitches, which is insane for a desperado. You expect at least five or six pitches throwing cross field, debatable frontwards passes or not. It's just a shit show usually, but this was very well thought out, if you ask me, from the Miami Dolphins, almost like they practiced this play often. It was crazy. And for the Patriots, what are you doing on defense? It looked like a prevent defense they were playing, very soft, and you weren't expecting a Hail Mary, which is the kind of package that I would want 
Rob Gronkowski out there who would be able to jump higher, swat the balls down, such a big body. That's a guy you want back there. But if you know they're going to be running a kind of desperado play from where they were on the field, why have a guy like Gronkowski back there? You clearly saw that he wasn't exactly. yeah, You want guys who can make a tackle, not big dudes, block passes. I don't know what Belichick was that's, thinking. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's got to be a Hail Mary. Just, yeah. yeah, there's no way. And that was crazy poor, enough poor right there. And you saw him on the ground just laying there. It was almost depressing if you're a Patriots fan. <laughs> if you're a Patriots fan, you deserve this. <laughs> I mean, ask me last week, what was my upset of the week, Adam? Yeah, you called this. The miracle happened. You called it, Perry. Did I manifest this? Did I manifest this miracle? Because I'm just saying, maybe not too exact detail, but I did say it was going to be well thought out. I said Dolphins were going to win a scrappy one here and shock everyone. So Yeah, so what did. about those lottery numbers tonight? <laughs> Hit me up on DM. We're not going to give out. We won't give it up to everyone. Numbers. Everyone's going to be rubbing my head when they go past me and stuff. Like, hey, give me some of that shit. Yeah, no, I'm down with that. You can touch me all you want. That play was insane. The Patriots are still in a good position on the season. It was a must-win game for the Dolphins who are still in the hunt. So a lot of magic going on there, and we'll see if they can ride this momentum. The Dolphins are a sneaky team. Tannehill isn't anything special, but he's getting the job done. Adam Gase, again, not anything special, but getting the job done. So we'll see if they can make any waves. This is a team that will have to make a run, but we'll see if they still have a little bit more miracle left in them, just like last week. That was crazy. Let's move on to something even crazier. Derek Henry. What was that on Thursday? You were calling this all season wrong because you expected this on a week-to-week basis. And everyone was calling you out on the fact that you were a big Derrick Henry enthusiast. And everyone was wondering why you were. And now you can see it here in the last week. So 47.8 PPR points. Let me repeat that one more time. 47.8 PPR points, 17 carries, 238 yards for four rushing touchdowns on Thursday. Give me your reaction for Derrick Henry and tell me how pissed you are that this wasn't the case for the whole season. Just watching that first 99-yard run was just insane. His just stiff arms he was throwing, he just looked like a bull in a china shop. He was just the biggest, strongest, fastest guy out there. Dominated the Jaguars. And this is what I thought I was going to get out of Derrick Henry come week one. Not a 238-yard game for touchdown performance, but the physicality and the just power he would run with. Confidence that the team had in him. And I figured he would get some carries and opportunities to show off his capability, which he clearly has. And I think this game, his performance was just one of the most shocking things of the season. Probably the most shocking thing of the season. Yeah, the most shocking. A miracle that just happened. I mean, if someone were to say, Patriots are going to lose on a game fluke Miami miracle touchdown, and Derrick Henry's going to rush for 238 yards at four touchdowns last week, I would have called him crazy. They no way. Like, There's no way that's supposed to happen. And this is the crazy thing. I haven't seen a run like that since Marshawn Lynch. That was full beast mode. Do you remember yeah, when Marshawn absolutely. was just, he was just removing humans from him just as he was going to the touchdown? Every human that would come up to him, just Marshawn Lynch would pretty much just throw them to the side. It was insane. You couldn't take him down. That's exactly how Derrick Henry looked on multiple runs, not even just that 99-yarder. That was multiple runs. On, yeah, on his 50-yarder, he just looked like a stud. And one thing I loved, he, he threw the, the final guy off him on his 50-yard run. And you could just see this huge smile on his face Get when there's just no one in front of me. him. He's just trot to the end zone. Get off me. That's it. Get 
off me. That's it. I'm so loving that. And Derrick Henry is on the top of our fire waiver wire this week. Not because he should be rostered already, but really because now with playoff time, you don't know who's going to be out there, who people drop to pick up other people for their playoff match. They're getting rid of their depth and really going all in on their starting lineup. So for our fire waiver wire, usually throughout the season, we looked at it for more 12 team deeper leagues. We assumed that some players were already rostered or should be rostered. If you really were above 50% owned or 60% owned in multiple leagues, we kind of tended to keep you off because it wasn't a realistic get for that week. Now when you go into playoff time, you have to put the most top tier players possible because you're swapping player for player that you would have never thought about dropping two, three weeks ago. But now that you have to go all in, I picked up Melvin Gordon this last week in my Yahoo League. Someone dropped him straight up for another running back going all in on the first round playoffs. In Yahoo, it was just the one-week playoff matchup. So he dropped him. I went and picked him up last week knowing he wasn't going to play, hoping that he would be there for me next week if I won the first round hoping that he would play on that Thursday. So now I came up on a bell cow running back that potentially could take me over the number two seed that I'm playing in my Yahoo League. And that's my boss's league at work. So I'm really trying to show him how big my dick is with this league. So I'm really excited about that. Melvin Gordon, I'm really hoping that you're playing on Thursday. If not, my team is well equipped. I want to ask you really quick, let's put a quick pause on this. How are you looking in your playoffs? How many teams made it officially and how many teams are moving on how many leagues do you still have a two-week first rounder in because i know i have a a couple leagues that it's like that but i want to hear the status of your playoff run adam came down to it i was at four playoff matches i lost one and i ended up winning the other three all because of amari cooper i had him on all three teams that's what i'm talking about yeah it was awesome and i thought i was gonna lose Two of the games I I knew I was going to win pretty easily just because I had control. Then my other game, I was trailing, and I was just getting smoked. And then all of a sudden, Amari Cooper just went off. It pushed me over the top, and sure enough, it was enough to win. And I won a game I totally gave up on. I I wasn't even looking at it. And until I saw Amari Cooper score his second 75-yard touchdown, I was like, maybe I should check the score. And I was up by two points or something. I was like, oh, let's go. And I looked back. So speaking of Amari Cooper, before I get into my detailed playoff run so far, I want to list what he was able to do for the Cowboys. 49.7 PPR points. So he saw what Derrick Henry did on Thursday with his 47.8 PPR points, which would have been the most all season. And then Amari Cooper said, screw that, I'm taking the lead. 49.72 mark the highest PPR performance of the year. So Amari Cooper is on top of the fantasy football world right now. But let's talk about his game. 10 catches, 217 yards, and 3 touchdowns on Sunday. Since joining the Cowboys, 40 catches, 642 yards, and 6 touchdowns in 6 games. He's on pace If he continues the way that he's catching right now, he has three more games with the Cowboys in the regular season. That would be a nine-game season with the Cowboys, and he has the potential to put up 1,000 yards. He's on pace for it. 1,000 yards with a team in any season isn't easy to do, let alone with nine games with a team. He's going to put up 1,000 yards if he keeps this up. Amari Cooper, you ask, was that first-round ticket worth it? Obviously, yeah, it was worth it. And what I was saying when they first got him is they knew what they had. A two-time Pro Bowler, 24 years old, former 1,000-yard receiver, 
and a guy that has the potential to be a number one at any time. You see Roller Coaster. One week he goes off for a record-breaking game, and the next week he's three catches for 25 yards, and he's gone. But that doesn't happen here in Dallas with Amari Cooper. It seems like he's helped the entire team, obviously, and the main reason why they're on a five-game win streak and should have won that game against the Titans when Amari Cooper first came as well. So since his arrival, they've been out of this world and the hottest team in football, if not one of the hottest teams in football. I want to talk one more stat to working off the Amari Cooper performance that I still can't get over. 49.7 PPR points. Just need to shout that out one more time. Dak Prescott, his quarterback, fourth quarter or overtime, trailing by eight or fewer in his career. So pretty much a clutch situation. You're trailing by a touchdown, extra point or two in the fourth quarter or overtime. He's 111 for 174, 63.8%, 1,000 434 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one interception. So that touchdown percentage is 6.3% with an interception percentage of 0.6%. 108.3 passer rating, 16 carries for 87 yards and two rushing touchdowns as well. So people want to have that debate about if Dak Prescott is clutch. He's definitely performing when the game is at crunch time, fourth quarter overtime, and you're within one possession. He's doing nothing but great things. So you see, obviously, the addition of Amari Cooper and what they were able to do. He's the first player in NFL history to catch three touchdowns that were go-ahead touchdowns in the second half or later in a game. And he's just continuing to put up records. 217 yards is the most by any receiver this season. Amari Cooper, round of applause. Dak Prescott's playing extremely well. I'm a Cowboys fan, but even if I wasn't, I usually try and give as unbiased takes as possible. Cowboys are playing extremely well, and they put themselves in a position to compete and to really make a playoff run. So it's extremely impressive. And shout out Amari Cooper for winning Adam multiple playoff matches this week and propelling him to a potential championship run. It's all Amari Cooper. You're doing it for Adam, and you're doing it for the Cowboys. Absolutely, man. Shout out to the boy. That's it. Uh, about Amari Cooper, I think he's really just gaining a lot of confidence with this team, and they're all just rallying around him. 100%. The team, and I think he's just having more confidence in himself, going out to catch balls, and knows he's better than the corner he's lined up against. He knows he's the best receiver on the field, and once you gain this confidence, and you have that potential, you could be so, so special, as we've seen. You just see how he runs his routes. Amari Cooper, I think, is one of the best route runners. He just breaks guys' ankles, and he makes yards after catch off the route he ran because it was just so crisp and clean he has that next foot to make the next move on the guy right it's insane like you said he's helping everybody on that team and making everybody better he's literally taking the cowboys to the next level when he's out there he's looking elite he's feeling elite and i think he felt that when the cowboys gave up a first round ticket for him they knew what they were putting down for him and they expected a lot and look what they're getting a lot that's the only answer i can give is that jerry jones put all his chips down on the table, obviously not all of them, but a very heavy chip, and decided to invest in a guy that had the potential to be a true number one, and it looks like his gamble is paying off right now. Amari Cooper is paying dividends for the Cowboys and fantasy owners all over the place. Let's talk about one more performance this last Sunday that was insane as well. 
George Kittle, seven catches for 210 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Only two quarters because he didn't catch shit for the rest of the game. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that was really weird. They went and watched some tape at halftime or got the best pep talk of all time by their tight end coach or an ex-tight end or something happened for them to realize how they can guard George Kittle. But in the first half, he had their number, 210 yards. It's actually four yards shy of Shannon Sharp's touchdown record for one game by a tight end in NFL history. He almost beat that in one half, so George Kittle shows that he is elite. He's right up there with Gronkowski, Kelsey, Ertz. He's got to be in that conversation for a top three tight end in this league. That's the question I'm going to ask you, Adam. Put those four guys in order for me right now. Not what they've done, not what they're going to do, but right now, put the four of them in order. I think you go Kelsey, number one, obviously, just because of the quarterback, the talent, the size, just overall. Kelsey, one. And I think Zach Ertz and George Kittle could be flipped back and forth between two and three, but I'm going to go Zach Ertz just because of the experience in the NFL. And then George Kittle, obviously, at number three. And I think four, Gronk. I think Gronk's slowly starting to fall off and just become a decoy. And I think his body is starting to take a toll and he's realizing it and so I don't think he's really going out and trying to make the big plays trying to throw his body out for a diving touchdown I don't think he's Brady's number one option and I think they both know that and I think they both realized he's more of a decoy than a threat the only thing Gronkowski's diving for is fucking Kenyon Drake's (laughs) ankles and he's not grabbing those so clearly he can't play defense And he's a little bit on the decline. So I agree with the exact order that you just gave of the four of them, top to bottom, I would have given the same list. I have a question for you because I put out a poll on Twitter and I have the results here that I want to talk about. But before I do, I want to ask you the question. Who's the best running back of the group between Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott? And that's the same kind of context where not what they can do, not what they've done, not what their contracts say. But right now, you got to pick one of the three. Who's the best in the group? I like that you picked these three because at the beginning of the year, it was clearly Todd Gurley. And then towards the middle of the year, right. it was clearly Saquon. And now if you really look at it, it's kind of clearly Zeke. A lot of people would think, oh, no, Saquon, no, Saquon, or Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley. They would say one of them to a heartbeat. But I right. think you can make a strong case for once Zeke has a healthy line next year, Amari Cooper knowing the offense, having the chemistry with the team, if they're healthy, I think you could put Zeke at number one. I had him coming into the season as my number one overall back. Obviously, he's underperformed a little bit, but he's still been top five. But I think he's been acquainted into the passing game a lot more than yep people expected he's starting to catch balls he's like a little security blanket almost for Dak Prescott and he's he's taken over this Jason Witten role of being that security blanket it's really really close gun to your head you gotta pick one and give them the ball you gotta hand one off behind you who you picking I would go Todd Gurley Zeke then Saquon just because the offenses the coaches and the players they have around them Todd Gurley as probably the best coach in the NFL, in my mind, right now at least. I think he's just one of the bigger, better, stronger running backs. He's faster than a lot of the guys. Saquon's got the speed on him, but I think Saquon runs backwards and tries to do too much sometimes, so I think that can hurt him 
although it does help him out more times than not. And I think Zeke is kind of a mix of both. He's fast, he can catch balls, a hard runner, but I think I would go with Todd Gurley as that number one guy. God, I love this question so much. When I asked it, I knew it was going to get really interesting results. Gurley, 43%, Saquon, 34%, and Zeke, 23%. It's these three guys and the rest of them. David Johnson coming off injury. He isn't the same back. Not that it's 100% his fault. Of course, you can blame it on the team, blame it on the offensive coordinator, whatever you want. But he's not Gurley, Saquon, or Zeke. And Saquon's really established himself early on in his career. He's a rookie, and he's running like a veteran. And like I said when I was doing some season predictions, Zeke needed to have 80 to 90 targets for the year for the Cowboys to be successful. And he's right on pace for that. I think it was about 90 to 95 is his pace right now. And he's catching the ball an efficient rate. He's definitely a security blanket. He's the leader of this team. He's looking like the guy that you want on your team. So if I'm going to pick a guy, I'm going to go Zeke. And I know that's crazy, but that's barely, I'm talking so barely ahead of Todd Gurley. Injury history also comes up for me. Gurley's knees, although he runs amazing, he still has injury history when Zeke doesn't and Saquon as well. But I really don't want to put how good Saquon can be into this question because this is right now who's the better back. And I'm not going to go Saquon yet. Not because I haven't seen enough, but just matching skill set to skill set right now. I'm going to go Zeke as the best back in the league right now with other factors attributing to his success or lack of whatever you want to look at it with you having him as number one for the year and him still running as a top five back. I'm going to go Zeke as the best running back in the league, not even because I'm a Cowboy fan. I truly believe that he's marked himself as a hybrid running back as well now where he is a pass catching back, efficient powerful and he's looking like a guy that you want back there to lead your team and Gurley's been that guy but look at last game it almost scared me a little bit the reason I put this up was because of how bad of a game Gurley had as well and was that the system was that Sean McVay just taking a shit that game was it a lot of different things maybe it's just Chicago's defense is the real deal cold weather isn't easy to play on when you're this deep into the season shit gets serious there's a lot of factors to it Todd Gurley was he there that game no so I don't know about that. Zeke hasn't showed up some games. I'm sure Saquon hasn't either. But that's why the timing of this question was so good because everyone who just marks Todd Gurley as the best back in the league after last game, you got to check that. Not because it was on him. And when Saquon and Zeke are both running the way they are, I think this is a great question. While we're talking about great running backs, let me talk about Nick Chubb. Since the Carlos Hyde trade, 128 carries during that span, tied for second in the league. Team share of carries, 78%, first in the league. Rushing yards, 587, fifth in the league. Yards after contact, 3.8, second in the league. And total touchdowns, eight, tied for fourth in the league. So Nick Chubb, he's running like crazy. The one thing that pops out to me here is the yards after contact. 3.8. He's a guy that you expected to hand the ball off to, and he's going to have to break off these massive runs, this home run hitter, but you don't expect him to grind it out and have all these yards after contact. That was almost what Carlos Hyde was meant to do. So to see Nick Chubb running like a true number one, when he gets space, he's lightning fast and he's out there. But when he's got to run through the tackles, he's able to do that, and it shows. I'm going to ask you a question really quick, another good one. Who do you take right now between Nick Chubb and Philip Lindsay? Oh, that is tough. A few weeks ago, I would have said Nick Chubb, no question. But Philip Lindsay has just looked better and better and better 
each game, and it's only been a little bit he's looked better, but it's every week he's looked better. There's been a couple weeks where Nick Chubb didn't really get better or just kind of, you know, stayed the same. I think Lindsey has shown he's improved each game. I think he's someone who has something to prove from not being drafted, and I think he's got a lot more grind and determination than Nick Chubb, but I do think Nick Chubb has the more talent and probably is the better back. I would go with Nick Chubb. Yeah, another really good question for running backs. I'm coming up with some good ones today. Yeah, Philip Lindsay, he is insane. Loving how he's running. You're 100% right. Him not getting drafted has got to sting. That one's got to sting. And with Royce Freeman, we all thought he was going to be the main back. And look how this has transpired this year. It's crazy. That's one swing and miss that I had this year. Royce Freeman, I took him in the third round when his value was all the way up. It might have been third or fourth round in my home league. And that was a swing and miss. I thought he was going to be that guy. You saw how he was running in the preseason. He had a touchdown in practically every game. He seemed like the guy in Philip Lindsay might have been a James White, you know, a guy that you throw in there and is interesting, but not the kind of guy that you rely on. But look what he's doing, running, catching the ball in the backfield. Philip Lindsay's playing out of his mind. So that one's, it's a very good question. But Nick Chubb, again, he deserves a lot of credit as well. Let's talk a little bit of injury report. Quarterbacks first, running backs, we'll go receivers, then tight ends. Ben Roethlisberger, you saw what happened this last game. He came out for a bit and... At the end of the game, Tomlin said that he was ready to go in a few drives before. But with the flow of the game, they kept Joshua Dobbs in there and then put in Big Ben when the team felt ready. If you believe that Big Ben gives you your best chance to win and he was ready a couple drives before... Why would you not put him in the second that he was ready to go? You really risked that game by sitting Ben Roethlisberger because you saw what he did right when he came back. Was that the right move, Adam? Or should he have stayed out the whole game? Or should he have just put him in right away? I'm confused why he went right here in the middle where he still played him. He waited a bit, but didn't take it cautionary. I don't know. I'm not really a fan of this Tomlin move. What do you think about it? Yeah, neither am I. I think it was more of a panic decision. I think they wanted to keep Big Ben on the sideline because this was probably some sort of injury that they're concerned about. And they're playing the Patriots this week, so that was obviously a very important matchup. And I think they kind of thought that Josh Dobbs could get it done against this worst NFL Raiders team. He couldn't. I mean, it wasn't really him. It was the defense. And they couldn't really stop Derek Carr and the Raiders. And I think it was more of a panic move to throw Ben Roethlisberger back in thinking, oh, he's our guy. He's our quarterback. He's our number one he'll win the game we got to put him back in and I think it was more of just a quick thought decision something that Mike Tomlin didn't anticipate because he thought this game was going to be an easy win for him Oh, 100%. I want to move on to the Ravens, another team in that division, and their quarterback situation. Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco, both actually dealing with some injuries. Lamar Jackson with an ankle injury, Joe Flacco with that hip injury. They both seem like they're going to be able to play this week, and it seems that the Ravens already made up their mind. They are playing Lamar Jackson over Joe Flacco, but you could see some split here between the two guys because of the fact that injuries are going to take part of this game, and maybe one guy gets banged up and they go with Flacco. He is on that contract still. I don't know how this is going to go. So we're going to keep an eye on that. But Lamar Jackson seems to be the starter right now. And that ankle injury, the x-rays were negative. It seems like he's all good to go for week 15. I wouldn't be surprised if he started the game and even threw two quick interceptions or had a real messy first or first couple drives. And they just pulled him. And they said, you know what? We want to get someone who we can trust. We've had Flacco. We trust him. We got to play him in a time of a game where they have to win. 
they're on the verge of playoffs. So I could see that happening, or even a small injury, a little concussion protocol injury happening to Jackson, causing him to come off field. And then Flacco kind of plays not terrible, but not bad, and kind of just leads the team to a good drive, another good drive, and kind of holds Jackson off the field. We'll move on to the next quarterback for us, and that's going to be Cam Newton, a guy that is still playing, obviously, but he's got that shoulder injury, and he's not really able to make deep throws the same way. And Cam Newton seems like a kind of guy that you're relying on his legs right now. And with Mitchell Trubinsky, it's almost a similar thing with his shoulder injury. It almost seems like a shoulder sprain because he did miss some normal throws in week 14. He looked awful. And I think with Goff, it was a similar situation, but that wasn't an injury. That was just him playing a Bears defense that really got to him and it showed that he's a system quarterback or at least as close to it as you can. But Mitch Trubinsky, it seemed like that shoulder was really messing with him. Is Cam Newton or Mitchell Trubinsky's shoulder injuries anything alarming for you? that you should stay away from with this matchup this week or are you fine starting either one of them obviously it's a it's a concern but i don't think it's too big of concern just because cam has shown that he's had injuries like this before and plays through them quite often i think they'll both play without a doubt i think this does have a little effect on cam and trubisky you kind of see as you're saying he was missing throws and just looked bad right. i think it's more of an adjusting thing where he kind of needs to feel what pain he could tolerate what really hurts if he takes a big deep throw like does that give him some pain i think cam's a little bit better he's shown all season he can put up the 25 points by the end of the game no matter what trubitsky on the other hand could lay goose egg he's been real up and down but i think he's good to go this week yeah trubinsky helped me get into the second round of one of my leagues by just sucking ass so thank you mitch for that on the other team really hurting them Sam Darnold, one more quarterback I want to bring up. He's got a right foot sprain, and he did re-injure it in the game, but he did return. So it's something to look out for. Him or McCown, we'll kind of see how they go. Not anything too significant with how the Jets are playing, but with Sam Darnold, this is their quarterback for the future, so they're going to want to be careful. We're going to see what they do. We'll move on to running backs. James Conner, ankle sprain. He's still likely out, but it seems like he's probably 50-50 for this week. From what I've read, there's a potential that he can play, but this is another situation where you don't want to rush back your guy too early. So do you think he goes? Do you think he doesn't? They're playing the Patriots, and they're at home. I think this is a big win or big need of a win for them. They lost three in a row. They've started to see the season slowly slip away from them, so I could see Connor playing and even re-aggravating the ankle just because he's rushed in and wants to play so bad, but I think it would be the smarter decision to hold him out. I do think he actually will get some play time, but I don't think it'll be the full workload like some people would think if he was named the starter active. I think it'll go a little bit split around between him, Ridley, and Samuels, so... I think it's up in the air. He could sit, but I think he plays just because of the game. Okay, I'm going to go with sit this game, but we'll move on to Melvin Gordon, who's got that MCL sprain. I'm going to ask you, does he play or does he sit this week? At first, people were saying, oh, no, he's sitting, he's sitting. But then Melvin Gordon practiced, was limited to practice. He even said he wanted to play. Like we said a little bit earlier, he was rushed in previously when he re-aggravated his injury. This last week, they kind of took it slow, and I think he could have played, but they held him out knowing this was a Thursday night game, a short week, playing against the Chiefs, a huge game. They had to win this, you know, so I think Gordon does suit up. I think he plays, and I think he gets some of the workload. I don't think he'll get the full, absolute workload. I think Justin Jackson will steal some carries, but I think Melvin Gordon will get all the goal line carries and important touches. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon plays. I think Jackson will just be kind of a guy to give Gordon breathers, and if he needs 
something when he comes out. I think Jackson's kind of just there when you need him. I agree. That's not a play I'm excited about. I've been thinking Melvin Gordon was going to play all week. Matt Breida for San Francisco with that ankle injury that he did re-injure a week or two ago, and he was been out. Do you think he plays this week or not? Uh, he was out last week, and I thought he would play for sure just because he's played through literally everything. So I think just because his track history this season on how he's just been banged up throughout every game just about and he's either returned from the injury or played the next game i think he plays this week if he's questionable or if there's some sort of chance he plays i think he plays a yeah. little bit at least i'm gonna agree with you i think matt Breida plays as well i don't think that's something to be too concerned about with that ankle i think he's gonna be okay this week lions carry on johnson with that knee sprain do you think that he's gonna play this week or do you think they're gonna shut him down this is a weird one I thought they would have shut him down by now, but if they haven't shut him down by now, he obviously they hope he'll play again. I don't know. I haven't heard too much from him. I don't think he's practiced really a whole lot this week, and I just I don't know if he'll play this week. This one has been a tough one. I, I'm a Lions fan, and I, I hope if he plays, he's 100% healthy and doesn't get rushed back in, but I hope he doesn't play. I just I hope we shut him down just because it's a knee thing. I would feel just terrible seeing Kerryon Johnson, the guy we invested a second rounder in, just to go down with an ACL and meaningless games. No, I, so, to- I totally agree. I think you shut him down. It's what I said a week or two ago. You might as well just not play him the rest of the season. If you don't have anything to play for, that's one of the pieces that you want to build around. So you might as well let him nurse that knee sprain and give LeGarrette Blunt the rest of his carries for his one-year contract, which he won't be re-signing at the end of the year. Austin Eckler, he is officially ruled out for the game. Multiple stingers, he's definitely not playing this game. We already talked about that briefly with the Melvin Gordon news. Let's talk Spencer Ware, hamstring injury, and it doesn't seem like anything too crazy serious, but is something that did affect him, and if he didn't go out, his numbers would have been even better this last week. He did play a Ravens defense, which was impressive that he was able to put up what he did. So if he's healthy, is a smart play. Damian Williams, a guy that I was pretty high on this last week, he vultured a receiving touchdown and rushing touchdown from him. So if Ware is injured at all, Damian Williams seems like the guy that you need to be playing at your flex, but that's only for me if Ware seems to have been missing more practice closer to this game coming up on Thursday. Again, an extremely important game, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that one. Do you think Spencer Ware plays or not? Yeah, I heard that he was actually doubtful for this game, so I don't think he is going to make the trip. I don't think Spencer Ware plays. It's a hamstring injury. Hamstrings have just torn apart other running backs in the NFL and I think any GM takes note of that and can see that if you rush a guy back in he could get hurt and Spencer Ware is their backup running back they lost Kareem Hunt as we all know and I think they went out they signed Chuck Hendrick West Spencer Ware sits this one out and I think Damian Williams is an absolutely great play this week against the Chargers yeah I agree with that one Corey Clement knee sprain he's placed on IR for the season Bills LaShawn McCoy hamstring injury another one that we're talking about here it does seem mild so I'd say he does play in week 15 but right now it's up in the air he's questionable what do you think I think he goes in week 15 yeah I think he does too he's typically a guy who will come back from an injury like that unless it's something real serious he's a guy who likes to be on the field and tries to get as much play time as he possibly can. Although I think he will play, I do think there's a good chance he re-aggravates it or re-aggravates something else as if it's an ankle, a 
finger. I don't even know. He's just had, gets banged up all the time. LaShawn McCoy is pretty much like last. So it's a risky play to play LaShawn McCoy whenever he's coming off an injury. Yeah, I'd stay away. I'd stay away if I was an owner, but I still think he plays. But if I'm a fantasy owner, I'd look for a better option. Oh, that's just me, though. Well, let's talk the Seahawks, two running backs that they have. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Chris Carson dislocated finger and Rashad Penny with an ankle injury. Penny had a midweek setback, so don't think he's going to go. Chris Carson with a dislocated finger. I'm pretty sure they fixed on the sideline, and he should be good to go. So I would say Carson plays, Penny doesn't. What do you think? Yeah, I agree on this, especially with how well Carson's been playing lately. He's just looked like that guy they thought they had last year, and I think they've realized what they have with Penny, and they know he was a stud pick, but Carson has been this beast, and I think they wouldn't want to rush Penny back in because he's a guy they could maybe build around in the future. Right, and for the Jets, similar kind of situation with their two guys. Isaiah Crowell dealing with that toe injury that he re-injured in Week 14, and Elijah McGuire that is dealing with a foot injury, but I don't think the Elijah McGuire foot injury is serious at all. I do think the Crowell injury is serious. I think he's actually out, and if he does play, it's going to be another one of those four-carry games or something where he's very minimal impact. I don't think Crowell plays at the end of the day. Elijah McGuire, I think he's on the injury report, but it's nothing to worry about. So Elijah McGuire is a play that I'm confident in. I think he's a running back two this week, even though the Jets offense is awful. Yeah, I don't think Elijah McGuire is a running back two. I have more to flex if he's going to be the running back there healthy, but I definitely could see the upside of running back two just because he'll be the primary back getting all the carries. He did score this last week. Last week was his best week yet, so he definitely looked like he can handle a full workload, and if that's really if Isaiah Crowell is ruled out completely. Then he has that RB2 tag for me. Even with Crowell in, I would still play Elijah McGuire at a flex if I needed an option there because McGuire is looking better and better as the weeks go on. Let's talk receivers. We'll go through them a little bit quicker. Tyreek Hill, heel injury that should affect him on Thursday, but it seems like he's going to play. I think he plays, but not at 100%, and it's not going to be the same Tyreek Hill. What do you think? Yeah, it was weird. You you kind of saw him limping around on the field during those last few plays in that Kansas City game. I think he was just on the field because he knew how important he was to the team, and he knew he was just someone who had to be covered no matter what, even if he was injured or limping or what. He just had to be covered and accounted for. So I think he forced himself on the field, and I think he's going to kind of force himself on the field this week. I don't think he's going to be real productive and be the Tyree kill we know and love. But I do think he will gain some yards, have a couple looks, but I don't think he'll have a deep bomb or like a 30-yard-plus play. I just don't think he'll be able to have the speed to get deep. I think he's going to try to want to rest up and not make some hard cut or put a lot of pressure on that heel. Yeah, Tyreek Hill seems like a risky play. And another guy on the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, who's missed the last two weeks with a foot injury, I don't think he's going to go either. To be honest, I think they're going to shut him down. They went out and signed Kelvin Benjamin, which could be meaningless. It could have some impact. But for me, right now, Chris Conley is the guy that you want on your team when you're looking past Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. He's a guy that has rapport with Mahomes and is a big play threat, a guy that has potential. So I like Chris Conley here to pick him up if he's available for you, especially if you're a Tyreek Hill or a Watkins owner. I don't think Sammy Watkins goes this week, do you? I don't think he does either. It's been really weird with him. They just kind of haven't said much, and then they rule him out. So I think this is what will happen. He'll get ruled out early Thursday or as we're recording this podcast earlier tonight, Wednesday. Right. Odell Beckham Jr. quad injury, it usually takes, I usually hear about three, four weeks sometimes with quads. 
I don't think he's going to play right now this week. What do you think? Yeah, that made me so mad. I had him in a playoff matchup, and I all of a sudden woke up Sunday morning or Saturday night or whatever time it was. It was just so unexpected. Oda Beckham ruled out, and I was just like, what? There was no sign of this. He was he wasn't injured at all. Bruised quads, and it just oh, it killed me, man. So I ended up having to play Kenny Galladay, and as you know, he crapped the bed and yep. had point five. So that was just an awful chain of events that happened. That was the one playoff game I lost, and had Odell played, all I would have needed was eight points. So I'm pretty confident he would have got that. Thanks, Galladay. Thanks, Galladay. <laughs> Yeah, really. This is it's a it's a weird week for Odell. I just the team really is it's basically eliminated from the playoffs right now. They haven't officially been eliminated, but I don't think Odell will play. I really, really want him to, but I think he kind of is a big baby inside and I think he, he oh. knows that if he goes out and plays in a meaningless game he could get injured and this and that. He doesn't care about fantasy football players and I don't blame him and He doesn't care about fantasy football players. No one cares about us, guys. No players care about us. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) But it's like, I think he should, I really think he should suck it up and play even if he's a little bit injured. And if he's like 80, 90%, I think he should play. But I think he'll hold out until he's a 100%. So that's why I don't think he's going to play this week. Yeah, Adam thinks you should play. You should definitely play. Let's move on to the next receiver. Doug Baldwin, groin and hip injury. He missed last week. I think he's going to miss next one too. What do you think? Yeah, I think he does too. He's just been nagging injuries all season long. And Tyler Lockett has looked just great with Russell Wilson. They've kind of shown they really don't need Doug Baldwin to win games this season. And the Seahawks have just looked a lot better than everyone imagined and they've done it without Doug Baldwin so I think they realize he isn't this number one receiver that they have to have on the field to have a offense that could compete so I think he does sit again and I think they'll rest him until he's 100% healthy or until they get to the playoffs yeah I think they sit him too Kiki Kuti he's got that hamstring injury he's been out for a little bit you think he plays or sits this week I think he sits. He's been nursing a hamstring injury on and off for a lot of weeks, but I think he sits just because he's had hamstring injuries and has sat in the past. Based on this office history, I don't think he's a, a huge piece of this Texans offense of, and a person that needs to go out there and help him win games. And I think he knows that. And so I think he'd be more valuable resting and being 100% for the playoffs than coming out 70% and perhaps re-aggravating his hamstring. Yeah, I agree. And with Josh Doxson, he's in the concussion protocol. Probably 50-50 to go this week, but I'm going to say he's out. What do you think? Yeah, concussion protocols are always weird. I don't think he's going to play either. Anyone who enters concussion protocol, I always think it'll be at least one week just because they take things so serious now. Right. No, totally. And 49ers, Pierre Garçon, knee injury, they did place him on the IR. So that's going to be it for our receivers. For tight ends, Jordan Reed's got that mild sprained foot. I don't think he plays this week. I think he potentially goes down for the year. What do you think? I agree, too. So Vernon Davis, if he's out there, absolutely go grab him. Yep. He's shown he could be a stud receiver. And yes, I say receiver because that's what he acts like when he plays tight end. He's just this huge guy who gets yards after catch and 
he's just a monster. I think he could be great going forward if Jordan Reed gets put on IR or doesn't play the rest of the year. And I don't think he will play the rest of the year just because it's Jordan Reed and we know he gets injuries and is just glass, basically. The fact that Jordan Reed's played this much of the year has already shocked me to exactly, begin. Exactly, so. yeah, exactly. He's exceeded his time He's exceeded limit, his so. maximum games that he can play in one season. It's usually four, but he's definitely exceeded that this year. Ebron, Ingram, McDonald, Graham, and Gronkowski. They're all dealing with injuries, but all played. I honestly think they all go. I think the only tight end that misses this week is Jordan Reed. And like you said, Vernon Davis is a solid pickup there. He's another guy that's going to be on our fire waiver wire as well. So let's move on to the fire waiver wire so you guys know who we think you should be picking up this week. Derrick Henry leads that off. Chris Conley, who I said to pick up for KC. Deshaun Hamilton on Denver. Damian Williams, another guy in KC. Elijah McGuire, New York Jets. Kenneth Dixon, again, for Baltimore. Ito Smith for Atlanta. Curtis Samuel, Carolina. D.D. Westbrook, Jacksonville. Jamison Crowder, Washington, as well as Vernon Davis for Washington, like you just said. Ian Thomas for Carolina. So Vernon Davis and Ian Thomas, the two tight ends we think you could could stream this week if you need. And for the two quarterbacks that we have for you to stream this week, Josh Allen or Nick Mullins, who if he repeats that same thing that he did to the Seahawks last time, it could be a very good performance for him as well, who has been throwing very well. So any comments on the fire waiver wire, anyone that you have priority over that you definitely need, anyone that you want to stay away from? Yeah, who would have thought we would have said come playoff time, Josh Allen and Nick Mullins would be valuable streamer And Derrick Henry. Give me Derrick Henry on that. (laughs) Number one, Derrick Henry. He tops our list. Who would have thought? Seriously. Vernon Davis. Let's let's talk about him on our list. That is crazy. So... The guys that you need to be grabbing right now, these are the guys that are in interesting positions that could benefit from injuries, from being the next man up. You know what fantasy football is. It's all opportunity. It's all volume. It's all next man up mentality. Keep an eye on that. If you have any questions, you please hit us up. Let us know. You guys were super active with us this last week. It was awesome. Let's move on to our rankings for this week. I'm going to start with quarterback. You can comment on those, and we'll kind of move through quarterback, running back, and receiver. Number one for me, Pat Mahomes on Thursday playing the Chargers. They're a good defense, but Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, and he's going to go off again. Number two, I got Drew Brees versus Carolina. Three, I got Ben Roethlisberger versus the Patriots. Four, Phillip Rivers versus KC. Five, Andrew Luck versus Dallas. Six, Jared Goff versus Philadelphia. Seven, Deshaun Watson at New York Jets. Eight, Russell Wilson at San Francisco. Nine, Cam Newton versus New Orleans. Ten, Dak Prescott at the Colts. And right on the outskirts for me, Tom Brady at Pittsburgh. And 12, Kirk Cousins versus Miami, who I believe is going to have a bit of a bounce back game. Nothing crazy, but he's still top 12 this week for me. What do you think? Yeah, I think Ben could be just a little bit high just because his injury, but it's a home game against the Patriots, and that those games are usually shootouts. So yeah. I do like him in at least the top six or seven and you saw how he played when he came back from that injury he almost brought that team back that passed to juju at the end so you saw no matter what the injury was he looked fine i would have had cam Newton a little bit higher at nine although he's looked crappy the last couple outings i think this saints game will be a shootout and i think they're in a must must win game i think if they lose this game they're out of the playoffs they gotta have this win it's against one of the best teams in the nfl it would just be a huge momentum swing for him i think cam knows it himself and i think 
the Panthers have the talent around them to beat the Saints, and I think they could win this game, but I don't think they will. I think the Saints will put up 45 points, and I think Panthers will put up 28 to 32. Right. No, definitely good predictions. We're moving on to running back. Number one this week, I have Saquon Barkley versus Tennessee. Two, I have Todd Gurley versus Philadelphia. Three, Ezekiel Elliott at Indianapolis. Four, I have Christian McCaffrey versus New Orleans. Five, I have Philip Lindsay versus Cleveland. Six, Alvin Kamara at Carolina. Seven, I have Nick Chubb at Denver. Eight, Joe Mixon versus Oakland. Nine, Leonard Fournette versus Washington. And 10, Dalvin Cook, who scored that touchdown. One of the only good things the Vikings did versus Miami. And then right on the outskirts for me, 11, I have Chris Carson at San Francisco. And 12, I actually have Lamar Miller at New York Jets. What do you think about this list? That Dalvin Cook last-second touchdown, that was crazy. Really a killer for a lot of fantasy owners out there. It actually won one of my buddies. It got him into the fantasy playoffs. He was so devastated because the guy he was playing had Adam Thielen, and Thielen had those, like, two catches that was, like, four points totaling up on that drive. And then all of a sudden, they just made that crazy pass, and I had people texting me, and they're like, that wasn't a touchdown, right? That, no way, that, that'll get called back. And I was like, no, dude, yeah, his foot was like on the line of scrimmage. All you need is any part of your body on the line of scrimmage, and it right. counts. So people were freaking out about that. But yeah, the one thing I would change about the list is Todd Gurley, number one. I think he bounces back so hard from this game on just a beaten up Eagles team. And I, especially with the news of Carson Wentz being out, I think the Rams run away with this, and I think it's the Todd Gurley show. Right. Yeah, I got my number two. That's because I think Saquon's going to go absolutely Yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah, either or, Saquon, you know, he, yeah. he could have two 70 yard touchdowns. It was less, less of a knock on Gurley and more that I think Saquon's going to actually embarrass this Tennessee defense this week. For receivers, we'll move on to there. Michael Thomas, I think, is going to have a great game. He's my number one this week at Carolina. Number two, I actually have Antonio Brown versus New England. He was not the number one guy list last week. Juju Smith-Schuster was a guy that me and you are also both very high on and thought could have a great game this last week, so we called that one on the dot. So, But I am going to have Antonio Brown at number two this week. Number three, I have Hopkins at the Jets. Four, Keenan Allen at Kansas City. Five, Julio Jones versus Arizona. Six, I have Adam Thielen versus Miami. Seven, Adams at Chicago. And then next, Tyreek Hill versus the Chargers. Then I have Juju Smith-Schuster versus New England. And at 10, I have Amari Cooper at Indianapolis. And my outskirts at 11, I have Robert Woods versus Philadelphia. And 12, I have T.Y. Hilton versus Dallas, who had a good game last week as well. What do you think about the receivers? I think I would keep T.Y. Hilton outside of the top 12. I, I think that Dallas defense is amazing. Although it 12 is. is right on the fringe, I, I would have him top 15, maybe. I think Juju has a little bit more potential to have more of a top five, top six type game just because Belichick is one to shut down the best receiver. And I think they're going to try to shut down and lock down Antonio Brown, leaving Juju the weaker defender. But I definitely definitely like the list. Those were about the only two that I would, I would flip around. Yeah, I'm excited for this week. I know you all should be as well with the fantasy football playoffs full beef this is the beef and potatoes right now the meat this is right where it counts so right now is when you should be asking adam and i questions both of our dms are open our page is open ffb unwrapped for any of your questions at any time we want to thank our sponsors roto assurance 20 percent off your one-time purchase with promo code unwrapped 
you got to protect your investment for fantasy football. If any of your players have missed a certain amount of games this season, Roto Assurance will pay you back every cent that you put down to play fantasy football this year. So you big money, you're putting a lot of stuff down to play fantasy football. Make sure you're protecting that. They're the only company that protects that for you for fantasy football, the only insurance company. So promo code UNWRAPPED for 20% off your one-time purchase. And Jersey Express, they don't have NFL jerseys quite yet, but they are A1 in the NBA jerseys and college jerseys game. You need to use promo code PULSE because we are part of the PULSE podcast network. Promo code PULSE for 10% off any jersey sale on Jersey Express. That is thejerseyexpress.com or on Twitter at jerseyexpress underscore. Again, follow our page on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped and Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB. Follow my page on Twitter at Perry Aston. Make sure to go retweet that Melvin Gordon tweet for the signed jersey giveaway, that beautiful powder blue jersey that Adam has on Twitter. Make sure to go check that out. It is on his pinned tweet also. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Make sure to find us on podcast.com, the Apple Podcast app, or Pulse Podcast Network. Go check them out at Pulse Pod Network on Twitter or Pulse Podcast Network. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you guys next time.